Good morning, everyone. Can you all hear me? Yeah. Good morning. It's lovely to be here again. It's wonderful. Um, feels a little bit more like normality. Still working as being strong. Yeah. So welcome. It's it's great to have you all here. Um, just I want to read a few lines. You don't have to turn to it. It's from Psalm 148. Um, Psalm 148 is a psalm of total praise. Nothing else but praising God. And it's a reminder to us, God's people, that that is our goal in life, or the reason that we were created was to praise our Creator, the Lord God of heaven and earth. Um, it's a rich psalm. Just, yeah, I'll read it. If I stay silent, it will be better. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him at the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He did give decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn and a praise of all his saints. Israel, the people close to his heart, praise the Lord. And that's a very, very clear call that both creation, uh, the, the planets, the stars, the, the wind, everything is to praise God. But it also says, praise him, kings of the earth and all nations. That's you and me. We are to praise the Lord and it's a privilege to do so. Let's pray and turn to God in thanksgiving. Lord God Almighty, to you we offer all our praise. It is our duty. But let it also be our joy and our delight, Lord God, to worship you and to worship Jesus Christ, our Savior, who has redeemed us. We praise you, Lord, that you have cared for us through the pandemic of COVID-19. You provided for us in our material needs. We live in a land of plenty and comfort, and you've protected us from all harm. Gracious God, you have blessed us and cared for us. We live in a very blessed land. But above all, Lord God, we bless you for our, our spiritual blessings. We, who are the redeemed of the Lord from a world that is blind and we are also by nature blind and unable to see the Lord God, but by your grace, you opened our eyes. Um, you opened our eyes to see the need of a Savior, and you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus, to be that very Savior. Thank you, Lord, for such grace to us. And so we praise you, Lord God, creator of all, because you are worthy of all praise. You are all glorious and beyond our comprehension, and yet we know we know that you are filled with compassion for this world that is entangled in sin and unable to free ourselves. Thank you simply for who you are, Lord God Almighty. Reveal yourself to us more and more that we could know 
you have given to us, the redeemed people of God. Reveal yourself that we would more and more delight in you, gracious God. And though unfortunately we are unable to sing your praise this morning as a congregation, nevertheless enable us to praise you by the attention we give to you, by our obedience to your word as we hear it, and indeed, Lord, even to fellowship with each other, let that be to the praise of our God. Lord, help us to glorify you now on earth, as we one day will do in eternity. And all this we ask through the name of Jesus, our blessed Saviour. Amen. Unfortunately, we are unable to sing as a congregation, but Abby is with the same, and Shane will play the guitar. I haven't played for some time, I think, Shane. But, uh, yeah, God has blessed us. Andrew and Anne are away on holiday, so Andrew is not able to play. Um, but, yeah, let's listen. Abby loves singing the praise of her God, so let's listen carefully, even if we can't join them.
Your reading today is in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he dies to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God.
cannot um, sing as God's people, but perhaps we'll have a chat about it, and those who are wearing masks at least could, could sing in the future, and we're talking uh, without a script and saying that, so we have to discuss it. But uh, it just it is instinctive, God's people want to worship Him. Uh, the notices for, for the coming week, uh, shame will be on holiday for a couple of weeks from Wednesday. So if you need to uh, confirm or dismiss the, uh, the fact that you won't be here next week, just contact me rather than Shane. Um, if you don't have my number, please ask me. Um, so Shane's way on holiday. Normally, as I said, we book in on, on Sunday mornings or at least to confirm that you're coming. But Shane will be away, so contact me instead. What other notes have we? Let's see. Um, yeah, thank you all for coming again. Any of you have just arrived, it's good to have you here. We will be meeting on Friday again in the room above. <coughs> and again, if you're unable to make it, let us know so we can move chairs around and make things available. I'll be leaving the service this Friday. I'll also be speaking next Sunday. And the following Friday and Sunday, Steve Keating will be overseeing the meetings. So please pray for the meetings, pray for those who are preparing. Um, I do call it your prayers because it is a privilege, but also um, a great burden to have the responsibility of leading God's people. Uh, and I know Shane values our prayers very much in that also. There's an offering box there, just a door on the way out if you want to keep that in mind. And unfortunately, again, we have no children's work. Hopefully we will work something out in the coming weeks or months uh, because I think the greatest uh, loss among the church has been teaching the children the way of the Lord. Um, they've lost out on it and it's, it's very unfortunate but hopefully we can work something out. Please be prepared. Read your scriptures with your children. Don't pray with them. They're not getting Sunday school but direct them to the Lord. They are. You are blessed if you're a parent privilege of having children, and the greatest thing you can do for your child is to point them to the Lord Jesus. So with that in mind, let's just pray and ask the Lord's blessing in our meeting again. Again, Lord God, we thank you that we've been kept safe through the virus. Continue to care for all of us among your people here in the Classic West in particular. Thank you, Lord, for medical staff in this country who have served so well. Bless them, Father, and indeed reward them for all they have done, but their greatest need as any person, their greatest need is spiritual. Bless them with spiritual blessing, show them the way of salvation, reward them with salvation in Christ. Lord, they are perhaps looking for material reward, they're looking for commendation from other peoples to say thanks, but their greatest need is to be in Christ. Please bless those who have served us so well in caring for us in our material, physical needs. Lord God, bless them, we pray. We pray, Father, for our children. They are privileged to have, but they are neglected at this time of the virus, it seems. We plead with you that they would not be forgotten with regard to eternal things. They are unable to be taught in Sunday school practically at present. Lord God, help all parents who have children to point them to Jesus. It is their greatest need as any person. Please bless our children, we pray. Father, thank you for having Lucy among us. We commit her to you, having just lost her mom this past week. Bless Lucy, comfort her. 
takes the prize in her heart as she misses her mom. Thank you, Father, for Lucy. And finally, Father, we commit shame to you now as he brings your word to us. Feed our souls, Lord, just as we have fed ourselves perhaps at breakfast this morning or whatever. But Lord, feed our souls and cause us to grow spiritually just as we have grown physically into adults. Gracious God, cause us to grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that we would live lives more worthy of him. Please do bless Shane and cause us to listen with attention and with care to the very word of God. Lord, you are worthy of all praise, glory and honour. Help us to live lives worthy of that. And this we ask through the name of Jesus, our blessed Saviour. Amen. And that's a shame to come down and to bring God's word to us. And just to mention as well, um, when you're leaving, just plug this door here, not the other one. And uh, yeah, just I suppose to exit the building as quickly as is reasonably possible. Do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, 
according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and as asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is God's word to us. And as I think of God's word to us this morning, there is one thing that I think God would have us hear this morning, and it would be this. Do not let anyone judge you. Do not let anyone judge you. And if you have been in this world for even about a second, you will realize this fact. That people have often judged you. We live in a world where people judge us. You see this on social media all the time. You post one thing, you put one thing up and immediately you will have judgment against you. Sometimes bad, sometimes good. I remember for us, uh, you know, when we had our kids, when we had our first child, and suddenly, after you've had your first child, what you'll realize as a parent is this. Suddenly, everybody around you knows how to parent your baby better than you do yourself. And so they'll give you all the instructions. Here's what you need to do at nap time. Here's how much cowpaw you need to give or, or don't give cowpaw. You shouldn't give it or do give cowpaw and give it three times or give it two times. And suddenly, everybody is an expert about when your child is to nap, what your child is to eat, all these things, how you're to get your child to behave. And as a parent, as you're hearing all that stuff, you feel a certain level of judgment. And then you look at other families and how they parent their children and, and they seem to be doing an amazing job and you just feel like you can't handle it. And so we feel the judgment of people. And that is not just for parents, that is, that is for all of us. Have you ever been judged or felt judged on the basis of what you have worn? Or on the basis of how you talk or, or your accent? Have you ever felt judged on the basis of what you believe? And so it seems like the passage is giving us this advice, let no one judge you. But what is it in relation to? Because he doesn't just say let no one judge you in relation to your parenting or these things. He says this, therefore let no one pass judgment on you, verse 16, in questions of food and drink. Or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Basically what he is saying is this. Let no one judge you with their rituals. Therefore do not let anyone judge you with their rituals. The rituals that they have, the rituals that they employ in their life. Let no one judge you with those rituals. Why? Because at the start of verse 16 there is this important word. And that word is therefore. And when Paul uses that, or when the other writers of the New Testament use that word, usually they are making a big conclusion. And this conclusion is therefore, on the basis of what? And what we heard last week is that we, were, we are realizing who we are in Christ Jesus. And what we heard about that last week was this. You in Christ Jesus, you are qualified for heaven. If you have believed and trusted in Christ Jesus, you are qualified. If you have believed and trusted in Christ Jesus, you are delivered from the dominion of darkness. If 
you have believed and trusted in Him, you are transferred from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. If you have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ, your life is being changed. You are no longer a stranger with God, but you are reconciled to Him. And if you have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ, what does the Scripture tell us? That you are forgiven. And then He says here, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. You are qualified, you are delivered, you are transferred, you are forgiven. Therefore, let no one pass any judgment upon you because you are God's child. And let no one question that in your life. If you have trusted in Him, let no one question that. Don't let them bring up their rituals and impose them on you as if you don't have enough in Christ Jesus. Because Christ Jesus is enough. And what are they judging people with? These false teachers are judging people in relation to what they eat or in relation to their diets. See that? In questions of food and drink. And this is pointing back to Leviticus chapter 11. In Leviticus chapter 11 there were these food laws. And in, in, for God's people, these food laws, they had certain foods that were clean and certain foods that were unclean. And the reason they were to eat certain foods and not eat other foods is because they were to be a holy people, distinct and devoted to their God. And what Jesus did when he came in Mark, it tells us this, he said, all foods are clean. But now what these false teachers are doing is saying, no, no, we need to go back to Leviticus 11. Yes, you can have Jesus, but you need to have a certain diet too. And if you don't have this certain diet, then you don't really have all there is to have in Christianity. And then they're also pressuring them, not in relation to just their diet, but also in relation to their days. It says, um, let no one judge you with regard to festivals or new moons or Sabbaths. Don't let anyone judge you in relation to their days. And this points back to Leviticus chapter 23. God's people had many days in which they were to celebrate Him. Um, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Trumpets, um, the Feast of Passover. They were to remember God's deliverance of them in this Feast of Passover. They were not to forget this and remember Him. And so what they were trying to do in this, in this Old Testament system is bring people back to their diets, bring people back to their days, because they believed that Jesus was not enough. And what Paul is trying to say to them is this, in verse 17, These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is Christ. All the diet laws, they were the shadow. Pointing us to Christ. All of the days that they celebrated, they were the shadow pointing us to Christ. And so what he's trying to get them back to is this reality. What you need is Christ, and Christ is enough. And so they're trying to bring people back to these rituals. As human beings, all of us have rituals. You will realize in, that, in this in your life. Some of you will like to get up at a certain time and in a certain way. Some of you will like to eat breakfast at a certain time and in a certain way and a certain type of breakfast and almost our, our life is mapped out and, and timetabled out in the way we should do things. We're ritualistically based. 
I don't know if there's many of those in my life, and I can probably point out many of those, but, but I think of one of them, and, and that's when I make pancakes in our house. I don't make much in our house, but what I do make is, is pancakes in our house, and I make a pretty good pancake. But I can feel sometimes when I'm in the kitchen, Luana will kind of walk up kind of behind me, and I'm trying my best to make these pancakes, and I can feel her, you know, the way you can kind of feel the presence of, of that person who really knows what they're doing behind you, you can kind of feel her, and she's kind of, you know, making these movements behind me as if everything that I'm doing is wrong, and it probably is, but I make a good pancake. And I don't want anybody to come in and mess with that ritual. Yes, there's probably way better ways that I could do it. But that's my ritual. And I want to keep it and hold on to it. And there are our personal rituals. But when you take those personal rituals and you attach them with your religion, that wants the thing up a whole other degree. We hold fast to our rituals and don't want to let them go. They were holding fast to their diets and their days and didn't want to let them go because Christ is enough. But sometimes, I, look, I don't, think, I don't think any of us really have the ritual of keep, keeping the Feast of Foods. I don't think many of us really have the ritual of clean and unclean foods right now. But many of us might have the habit of keeping on to certain rituals that we have in our lives. Certain religious rituals that we like to practice in our lives. And we seek to impose them possibly on other people. And this happens in the church all the time in relation to, to possibly our songs, right? Some of us, we like certain songs, don't we? Some of us like the, the old and long and deep and rich hymns. And some of us like the more vibrant and, and contemporary hymns. And what really matters, really, is not the genre, but what really matters is the words. So we should care about the words, but the genre of the music doesn't much matter. But sometimes we hold our rituals so closely that we want to impose them upon others, and then there begins a fight. And so what this is telling us is, no, these things are a shadow. Singing and music and hymns, they are shadows to point us to Christ. We're not to be so caught up with our rituals that we miss out on Christ. And so that is what he is saying to us. Christ is the reality. Christ is the substance. These things are a shadow. And we've looked at this in Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10, this reality of shadows and copies. And I often find it funny again with my children when we're, we're playing in the sun and you'll see them chasing around in their shadows. And we know the reality is this. If I were to look at their shadow and worry about their shadow and dream about their shadow and wondering how I'm going to pay for their shadow's college and wonder about all their life who their shadow is going to marry, you would say that is ridiculous. Why don't you focus on the reality of your child themselves? And that's what's happening with their people. Everything is focused on the shadow, not the reality that is Christ. And so what he is saying here to them is this. Let no judgment on the basis of their shadow. Your focus should be Christ. Let no one judge you with their rituals. And then he also says this. I believe the second thing he says is, let no one judge you with their rules. Look at verse 18. So first he says, let no one pass judgment on you. Second he says in verse 18, let no one disqualify you. 
insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reasons by his sensuous mind. Let no one disqualify you. Chapter 1, verse 12 says this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. If you have believed and trusted in Jesus, you are qualified for heaven. And what he is saying here is this, don't let anyone take that away from you. Don't let anyone disqualify you if you have believed and trusted in him. And don't let them take that away from you with their self-imposed ritualistic rules. And the reason I say rules is that word insisting. When people are insisting on something, what are they saying? This is a rule for you, and it is a rule for me, and we better keep it. So what they had was these false teachers in the church at the time insisting that people should practice asceticism and insisting that people should practice the worship of angels. What does it mean by asceticism then? This reality of asceticism is, is kind of an extreme um, self-infliction, self-discipline or devotion. So people might, might beat themselves or people, you might hear of people who would, who would, who would go on pilgrimages in, in bare feet. And that is asceticism, or climb up mountains on their knees in order to be spiritually disciplined and get to God themselves. You see, because for them, Christ is not enough. I need to go on this pilgrimage in bare feet. Christ is not enough. I need to climb up these mountains on my knees. And so what we have is this idea of asceticism. And what he's saying is, don't let people disqualify you in relation to that. And don't let people disqualify you in relation to worship of angels. Why were angels created? Angels were created for one purpose. And that is to glorify and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is you've got it wrong if you are worshipping these angels. And practicing the worship of angels. People are insisting on these rules. That you would keep these rules in the church. That Christ is not enough. And just like personal um, rituals, we also have personal rules. We know a lot about rules and regulations and guidelines right now, don't we? A lot about them. And corporately, we are supposed to keep these rules right now. This is why you are sitting far away from each other. But what I have noticed, and I don't know if you have noticed this, but personally, so corporately, we have to keep certain rules. Personally, we have different interpretations of those rules that we have been given. And so when we go out, we practice different ways of doing things. We have to respect each other and to love each other or whatever, but we have different ways of practicing these rules. And what I've noticed is that some people get really, really mad when people don't keep their interpretation of the rules. And demand it upon others that you need to keep my interpretation. If you don't keep my interpretation of the rules, I'm really not going to like you. So this happens with our personal rules, but it can also happen with our religious rules. We make up these rules of certain things that have to happen in order for us to get the blessing. And the reality is the focus should be on Christ and Christ alone. So recently I have been delighted in 
one sense that we can record services and people can stay at home and watch it and listen to other services and, and those things. But in some ways I've been, I've been living in fear because I've been worried about what people are going to watch. Because everything is accessible to you. Everything is accessible. Every teaching is accessible to you. And what you need to realize is that not every teaching is helpful. If you have turned on any of those channels, those kind of God channels on Sky, you will realize not everything is helpful. And what these teachers are seeking to do is tell you the secret. And usually the secret involves you giving your credit card number so that you will get the blessing. That is the secret for them. They're adding on these rules. You have to do this in order for your life to be blessed. Certain things. And sometimes that can even creep into the church. We can make our own rules. So we can say, we can see in other churches that they might have, you know, uh, meetings of men's groups and meetings of women's groups and meetings of young adults' groups. And, and we get so consumed with what meetings I want. And if the church doesn't have the meetings that I want, then we're not really getting deep enough. Or certain home group meetings or, 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 or all those things. I'm not saying the meetings are wrong. I'm not. I think we will grow and develop and have those things. But the reality is if we demand those things as rules to get closer to Christ, we're missing something. So let us never demand that of each other. I think the one thing we're called to do is worship like this on the Lord's day. And after that we'll have other things that will encourage each other. Let us not be demanding of our rules our extra things that we want to add on to Christ. Why? Because Christ is enough. So here's what he's saying. Let no one judge you with their rituals. Let no one disqualify you with their rules. But why is he saying that? Verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What essentially he is saying is this, and there's a lot of these verses, and I won't go through everything, I promise you that. But in verse 12, look at what he says. If with Christ you have died, the elemental spirits of the world, why would you submit to these rules and regulations and rituals when you have died to Christ? You no longer have to keep these rules and rituals rituals and regulations because you have died to Christ, died with Christ. If you have died with Christ, when Christ died, you died to the rituals. When Christ died, you died to the rules. When Christ died, you died to these regulations of the Old Testament system and law. And that is the reality of religion, isn't it? Religion has a lot of human teaching, but it does not satisfy, and it will never replace Christ. All this human teaching.
teaching and tradition and precepts, they will never replace Christ. Remember when we were in Chicago, we were living there for about three and a half years, and I was studying theology at the time. And I did a class called World Religions. And in our class of World Religions, we were asked to get into groups of three or four and visit some uh, buildings, some different world religions in their buildings. We were asked to go and visit them. And so we went and we visited these buildings. And I remember going into the, the buildings, like I mean in Chicago, you could choose anything and everything. They had every religion, world religion of, under the sun. There was this like Scientology building that was like a spaceship in the center of Chicago. It was crazy. And so we visited some of these buildings, some of these religions. And when I came away from these buildings, I came away almost every time in tears. Because what I realized was this. These people are loving, they're caring. They have devotion to what they are doing. They are meeting and they are praying. What they are doing looks beautiful. Their buildings look beautiful. And it seems to be achieving something for them. But what I realized was what it is saying in verse 23. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. All these religions of the world, if they are not devoted and centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ, all they have is an appearance of wisdom. What they really are is self-made and man-made religions. They have no power. And what he says at the end of verse 23 is this, they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so what he's saying to the readers is this, why would you go after the diets and the days and the rules and the rituals and the religions and the traditions? Why would you go after these things when you have Christ? They have no value and will not help you in defeating your sin. What will help you defeating your sin is knowing this. You have died with Christ. And if you have died with Christ, you have died to the rules, you have died to the regulations, you have died to the rituals. You have Him. And all you need is Him. Because Christ is enough. Don't let anyone judge you if you are Christ. And don't let anyone disqualify you if you have Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we have new life in you. And Lord, we pray that you will enable us not to follow after rules and regulations these uh, traditions and old practices of the old system will let us follow after you, the Lord Jesus Christ, because you, Lord Jesus, are
remind you as you, we won't uh, stand up and stay in this room, we'll just go out and, and leave, and if you want to hang around outside, that would be great, and I'm going to close our time in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for